Today's episode of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast, will not be heard at this time, so we can bring you the following special. to watch South Park, but they are also movie marks. They like to watch all the good and bad films. So now they will take a trip down memory lane. This is a South Park special. They will talk about movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Shark's Pond. Today, Fro is here. Hi. Our our favorite, everyone's favorite, is back. And today, this is our last movie review. <laughs> I, I know, man. I know. Although, oh. this is Gilda Radner, her voice and her writing. Sorry about that. Um, however, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, that, that it's going to be the end because you never know. We could have, yeah, we could have another, you know, Parker Stone movie come in the future. We don't know. Who knows? So, uh, but the movie that we're going to be talking about today is 2004's Team America World Police. America. Um, I think it's easy to say that this is one. I, I would say it's one of their popular movies. Oh yeah. Because this is the fifth. Yeah, this is the fifth and final one. Um, and there's there's a lot of interesting stuff. Some stuff I didn't know until Fro told me. So we'll we'll dive into everything in just a minute. Strangely um, enough, it, it it is kind of. Uh, I don't want to spoil uh, anything, but uh, it it is definitely one of my favorite movies by those two guys. Uh, we talked a little uh, on another podcast that we do yes. that uh, that uh, that, <laughs> that uh, this is maybe the second best movie they have done, uh, other than. Uh, South Park the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and and I had I had so much fun watching this again. Yeah, it was fun. I'm not gonna lie, it it was fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it, like like I said uh, a few weeks ago, this was like the second time I'd seen this movie because I hadn't seen this in a long time. So, right. Um, let's let's get into some details before we jump into the movie. Uh, the movie was released on October 15th, 2004. Has a running time of 98 minutes. It really didn't Ooh. feel like... It, it did not feel like oh. that, watching it. Oh, no, no. Which is a good sign of a movie, in my opinion. They had a budget of $32 million. Woohee! And they made $51 million at the box office. $51 million. Oh. So, um, they came away with some very good money on that one. So, unless there's anything else we should add, because there are going to be some notes after the movie that I'll bring up. 
I think we're going to begin. Are you ready? Yep. Let's do this. All right. Let's do it. So our movie begins in Paris, France, where we see a bunch of terrorists there. And it looks like they're going to do something bad. Well, yeah, because they're terrorists. When all of a sudden, here come... Welcome to Obvious School. Yep, Obvious 101, taught to you by Bill. Um, no, uh, when Team America comes in. Now team, now, team America consists of five people. Lisa, Carson, Sarah, Joe, and Chris. So they come into Paris, and they blow well they don't blow up but they knock down the eiffel tower mm-hmm. and then they go and destroy the louvre because you know there's nothing really there in the louvre it's just a bunch of stick figures with art you know so after they um stop the terrorists carson is going to propose to lisa oh yeah but before she can say yes, a terrorist comes out of a out of a waterfall to shoot Carson, and Car- <gasps> yep, and Carson dies. No. And I I have to say it, some some of my favorite things about this is that the way every time the mus- uh, the uh, the terrorist speaks. <laughs> they say the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and, and over again. Durka Durka Muhammad Jab. Durka Muhammad Jab. Ah, Durka Durka Muhammad Jab. Oh, yeah. So, after that tragedy happens, we go to New York City. And in particular, we go to Broadway for the hit musical Lease. And this is such a good, a good uh, spoof on on right. on so many musicals. Oh, yeah, and this is where we see an actor by the name of Gary Johnston, and he's <laughs> singing the hit song from the musical *Lease* called "Everyone Has AIDS." Yeah. Did you know that um, your your dog Old Blue he has AIDS? Mm-hmm. The straights have AIDS. The kids ha- or the gays have AIDS. The Pope. Because everybody has AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. <laughs> Actually, I, I gotta mention this because um, I, I think you'll find this funny. Um, when I was in college, um, I would listen to this radio show. I was going to say, I I hope you're not going to say, when I was in college, I had AIDS. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No. I was Um, like, okay. No. But, um, well, one of the things that they did Mm -hmm. on this this radio show was they had an STD map. Okay. So people would call in, they'd they'd tell the person where they lived and what STD they had. So, towards the end of the show, one day, this person calls in, and he's like, Hey, I want to add something to the STD map. And he's like, Okay, what do you have? I have AIDS. And there's, like, dead silence for, like, two, three seconds, and then they start playing the AIDS song. 
Mm. Oh, God. I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, um, while you guys have learned that terrible thing, no, um, so during the performance, there is a gentleman who is watching this. And after the show, this gentleman comes up and he wants to meet Gary. Because Gary is the best actor. He's the best. Um, so the, the, the gentleman is Spotswood, who is voiced by Darren Norris, who uh, he's done other things. Because he's an actor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> wow. I know, I know. Wow. Oy, oy, oy. I, I know. I'm so prepared for this. Um, no, but he's done mostly TV. And he's been in some movies as well. So, But anyway, uh, Spotswood comes and he takes Gary on a ride in his fancy limo. And it's a really cool looking limo. So... They discuss about Gary possibly joining the team. And Gary's okay. a little hesitant. So they take him to the Team America base, which happens to be at Mount Rushmore. And he looks around and he sees everybody and he sees Lisa. And he starts to fall for her. You know. Um, so Gary... He's not so sure, you know, about if he wants to join the team or not. So, he leaves, and then he goes to Washington, D.C., and he takes a look at all the monuments. And we get this really good song, where it talks about how freedom isn't free, but yet, yeah. but freedom costs a buck oh five. But it... it... Is it the best song of the uh, of the of the movie? No. Yeah. No. no. It, it's a good song. I, I like yeah. the song because it has a little bit of that country music, but it's done in a good way. But no, it's not the best song. I have the best song we're going to get to a little later on. So after he sees the monuments, and we all learn that freedom costs a buck oh five. Um, he joins the team. So he, so Spotswood tells them about the the next mission that they're going to go. And it is to Egypt. And there's going to be a, a meeting of terrorists. And they're going to have this meeting about weapons of mass destruction and how they're going to do it. And Gary's the only one that can get in there. So... They, well, that's true. That's true. So they, I mean, the whole premise of this movie is, is is kind of if if you really go into it, it is one of the most absurd and stupid premises of all. Mm-hmm. Now, while this is going on, we meet the villain of our movie, Kim Jong Il. <laughs> yes. So he talks to one of the terrorists who reminded me of the hat that he was wearing uh, was Jamiroquai from that music video, the, the one where he's sliding everywhere. Do you know that one? Yes. He, that's what it looks like. It looks like he's yeah. wearing that hat. It's bad. 
And why is Kim Jong-il the only one that is a tourist that actually gets to have other lines than Muhammad Jihad? Well, I mean... Durka, Durka. I mean, at this point in time, I, I think he's like the main threat. You know? Cause, right. Because, I mean, Osama is still around, but you don't hear much about him. ISIS hasn't developed yet. No. Um, Gaddafi's running his country, being his crazy self, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So, Kim Jong-il is the villain of the movie. So, after they perform uh, an operation to fix Gary, which really is just putting hair and dark makeup on his face. And and this is such a good spoof of face-off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I laugh so good. We get to Cairo, and Gary is about to go in. And uh, the leader, Scott... No, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Scott. I don't know. I'm thinking of Scott's and Joe's. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Um. So anyway, uh, Joe gives Gary the signal for if he's in distress, which is just waving your arms around in the air, which is a just a funny scene, you know, because it's all puppets. So it's very well done. Um, so we get to the scene where Gary is able to get in. He's allowed to get in. And then he just blatantly goes, so I hear that there's a meeting about weapons of mass destruction. So he gets taken and he meets up with the terrorist from a few minutes ago. And he's like, what qualifies you to be in us? What are you going to do to help us? And Gary thinks back to this one particular moment. Because we, and we're going to find out in a little bit. There's one thing that makes Gary act. Cry, yes. Makes him cry. So he uses this method to talk about how when he was a child... You know, his goats and his family were attacked by infidels and <laughs> that he put jihad on all of them for killing his goats. <laughs> so he earns the trust and then one of the one of the goons sees Team America and they start running away. And we get this chase scene. So there you know, Gary's in the Jeep. They're being followed, and it's really funny because they try to shoot, and they blow up pyramids, they blow up the Sphinx, you know, they're completely missing. So, eventually, they they kill the terrorists, and Gary gets saved. So, you know, Team America does it. But then, we get to this part where we watch the news because Peter Jennings is still alive at this point. I think he passes away like three years after this movie. And he talks about how, you know, the the incident that happened in Cairo today. Well, 
all of a sudden, here comes Mr. Big Shot Alec Baldwin, <coughs> who's the head of the Film Actors Guild. Yes, or right. a social crowd. Fag. Fag. So, yes. which is really funny because this this is a good scene. So Alec Baldwin in two thousand four still has a big head and is a jerk, like he is today. He talks about. Aww, come on. Now come on. I, I I'll I'll get into my reason why in a moment. So he talks about how the terrorists didn't do this. We should blame this on Team America, and how they're being supported by corporations and billionaires and how this is all wrong so and that alec baldwin thinks that the film actors guild should you know come up with a way to help control the world and then we get this really good joke of like all the other celebrities that are going to be there for this meeting and like every time they say a celebrity's name they have the word fag on there it's like also being there will be Helen Hunt, Janine Garofalo, Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon, and Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. I love that part. <laughs> oh, that is one of my favorite parts. Oh, God. How did that not get popular? It <laughs> should. Know. And the funny thing is, like, Matt Damon is great friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, we go back to Team Base, and they're celebrating the mission. Although, Chris doesn't trust Gary, because he's an actor. You know, I, mm -hmm. I can understand him. So, Sarah asks Joe if she thinks that members of the team should date each other. Now, Joe's thinking that she's asking if she could date him, because Joe has a crush on uh, Sarah, but Sarah has this crush on Gary. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to find out what happens with Gary. So Gary goes out, he stands outside, and Lisa comes talk to her, or talk to him. And we learn why Gary can cry on, on the dot. Because what happened was, folks, when Gary... Do, do I need to get you tissues for this? This is so sad. I know, buddy. I know. As a child, Gary yeah. was at the zoo, and he was walking on the rails, and yes. he was at the gorilla, uh, gorilla cage, gorilla area of the zoo. His older brother comes, <clears throat> tries to stop him, but his older brother falls into the gorilla cave. <laughs> I know. His brother had blueberries in his pockets and <laughs> accidentally forgot to take them out. So the gorillas oh. just tear up his brother for the blueberries. And the people at the zoo tried to throw gas in there, but it was too late. His older brother was killed by gorillas. It is so extremely funny. It is. It's, it, it is so. It's it's one of my favorite things about this. It, that was a that was a good joke. I like that. Yeah. So 
Then Lisa sort of confesses that she has a crush on Gary, but that she's not ready to get back into a relationship. Oh. Because of what happened with Carson. So, But Gary knows about what happened. So Lisa says to Gary, I would make love to you right now if you said that you would never die. And Gary's eyes pop up really big. <laughs> and he looks at her and he's like, I will never die. <laughs> it was so great. It's so funny. So then we have the makeout scene. Which is I love this. sort of infamous in a way. Uh, it's it a- is one of my favorite parts of the uh, movie. So it really is. They make out, and they got a yes. yeah, they got a, they got the love song in there. Um, and then they do stuff to each other besides making love. Yes, I I I think this is the best sex scene in the movie because there's actually no sex in it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like like uh, all you see is like dolls pretty much on each other yeah pretty much so funny I I, I I can't I can't do anything but smile when I think about this um, <sighs> and that's about as far as we're gonna go because if you've never seen this movie we don't want to disgust you we sort of want to see you. I want to hear your surprise reaction when you see this scene. It's not really disgusting, It's really though. not. It's really not. No. But still, the image. It's just you know. funny. So, the next day, we're in Panama, and the whole Panama Canal is destroyed. The whole Panama Canal is destroyed. Yes, yes. Leaving thousands of people dead. Um, so Team America gets the news and now there starts to be a protest outside of the base of Team America. And even Michael Moore gets involved. Um, so then this is where the team starts to break down because everybody finds out that Lisa and Gary had sex. Oh, no! I know. Sarah is shocked because she had a crush on Gary and Lisa knew. Joe's upset because Sarah doesn't have interest in him and Chris just doesn't like actors. (laughs) So, Gary decides to quit the team. Because he feels that what has happened is based on what he did in Egypt. Like, the blood is on your hands, basically. And, um, and Spotswood's, you know, like, guys, you cannot go out there, the four of you. If you do, it's a suicide mission. But they decide to do it anyway. And then we get the sad version of the Team America song. Or as it was said in the credits, the bum down version. Team America 
my favorite song of the right uh, we haven't gotten into that yet i I think i know where we're going with this (laughs) so as that's going on kim jong-il invites hans blix who represents the united nations and he's like look i've come from the un we want to see your palace if we don't if you don't let us see your palace i'm going to go to the un tell them what happened they're going to be upset and then I'm going to write a letter to you telling you how the UN is very upset. <laughs> so, in classic villainy, Kim Jong-il tells Blix to stand over to a certain spot. He pulls the lever, and Blix falls through into a, into a water, and he gets eaten alive by a fish. Because it's not really a shark. No, I, I will... It's very important to say this is a puppet movie, and we have still not really talked about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would hope these guys have figured out it's a puppet movie. I we mean, haven't said it. Oh, it's a puppet movie, people. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I guess I, You know what? I guess I'm just so caught up in this movie that I forgot to mention it. But So, so they're into this mission, and... Again, the team is still continuing, you know, it's disintegrating. So, here come planes, you know, that are trying to fight off the team. And then here come Korean planes. And the Koreans are joining, so now it's an onslaught. This is just going to be, you know, a beating. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. So, eventually... The whole team, the plane, the submarine, it's destroyed. (gasps) Yep. So, Kim Jong-il meets up with some of the terrorists, and he tells them, you know, good job, but, you know, you could have done better. You could have done more. And whoever is alive, bring them. And then Kim Jong-il's like, why don't people ever listen to me? Why can't they be just like me? Mm-hmm. And then we get the best song in the movie. Yes, I agree. Can we talk, Yes, we, we we agree. It's so it's one of the most funny uh, on the, over the top songs mm-hmm. in the world. I just love it. And you know what? I think if this if this song was in any other movie, it would be like. Oh, that's such a sweet song. <laughs> yeah. But it is a but sweet here, song. It still yeah. is. I'm so lonely, so lonely, so lonely. I, I have that song on my iPod. <gasps> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so great. You know, actually, uh, and I remember this interview that they did. I think, I, I don't remember what what station it was. But they talked about the song. And Trey Parker made the comment that if that song had ended up getting nominated, 
for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards, he was going to try to get Kim Jong-il to come and sing the song. Sing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know he meant that jokingly, but oh my god, that would have been the greatest thing. Oh, that would have been the greatest thing. Um, so, we go to Gary, who's at the bar. He's down. He's depressed. And he gets this life lesson from this drunk. And in a weird way, Fro, after watching this, this is sort of true. This life lesson is sort of true. Yeah. Because people... There are three types of people in this world. There's <laughs> there's dicks, there's pussies, and there's yeah. assholes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you let the pussies control the world, then, you know, not everything's going to be okay. You need the dicks to control the pussies, but then you also need the assholes. And you need to have the dicks and the assholes... Otherwise, you're just going to have shit. That, that's pretty much how the speech goes. <laughs> so then, uh, Gary gets kicked out of the bar, and we get the famous scene of him throwing up constantly for like a good minute. I mean, they made this disgusting just Mm -hmm. to be funny. And that's one of the things that I like about it. It is so over the top. It is. It really is. Yeah. So, we then go to the Film Actors Guild. And the members are there. And Alec Baldwin tells them, that they have been invited to be the keynote speaker at this international peace conference. And they're going to spread their message on how to control the world, or how to run the world, basically. And the person that invited them is Kim Jong-il. So, Mm -hmm. Alec Baldwin and Kim Jong-il, hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. So we see that the remaining members of the team are still alive. None of them died, thankfully. And Kim Jong-il tells them of their plan, that they're going to, you know, what they're going to do. And he ends up taking Lisa with her because she's going to sit in the front row, as he said, for this event. So all the leaders of the world get invited to this celebration. And Gary, well, he goes back to Mount Rushmore because, well, Mount Rushmore got destroyed because Michael Moore committed a suicide bomb attack on the base of Team America. What? Yeah. Because, you know, Michael Moore. So Gary gets in and... Well, the computer's okay. Intelligence is okay. So there's mm-hmm. some intelligence in the room. <laughs> Love this. And then Spotswood is okay. He has survived. 
the attack. And, you know, they have this heart-to-heart where it's like, I don't know if I can trust you. You quit on the team. And Gary wants back in. So Spotswood is like, okay, I'll let you in, but on one condition. Mm, I wonder what that can be. Uh, yes. Yeah. He wants. Yeah. He so, wants so. Gary to. Um... Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what? he wants him to give him a BJ. Oh. <laughs> so he does, and then mm-hmm. we get a montage. Montage. Because every movie needs a montage. Montage! That is still one of my favorite songs they've ever done. Yeah, it it is really, really good. So, now we go to the the big event. The International World Peace Conference. And Kim Jong-il starts showing off the world leaders some of the stuff. Like, their North Korean music. Which is not that good. Um, so Gary, he has a hood on, and he looks like a Jedi. You know, from that movie about the Star Wars and the lightsabers oh, and the Force. Oh, Yeah. Oh. So, he uses the Force, quote-unquote, to get in. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we see Gary become like an action hero. Because he starts shooting people up and he is taking them all down one by one. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. So as this is going on, Kim Jong-il tells Lisa the ultimate plan that's going to happen. During Alec Baldwin's speech... Ow, I just hit my finger on the desk. During the speech... All the weapons of mass destruction around the world are going to explode all over. And the the leaders aren't going to be there. And he has the timer set up to start in five minutes. (gasps) Which is funny because it's like, yeah, this is about typical of every bad guy, you know, like one of the James Bond movies. Yeah, So, Gary comes in to save the rest of the team because Martin Sheen and Tim Robbins are guards. I I, I can't really believe that because Martin Sheen was president of the United States. (laughs) And and, and Tim Robbins follows whatever Susan Sarandon does, but, you know. Yes. So... You know, he tells the rest of the team that Spotswood is okay. And, you know, he talks to them, and then he's like, where's Lisa? And they're like, oh, you know, she's with Kim Jong-il. So now they got to go to get Kim Jong-il. Well, the rest of the Film Actors Guild are there to stop them. And we have these funny fights. Uh... Samuel L. Jackson gets involved, Janine Garofalo, Helen Hunt, and, all these celebrities. Oh, and don't forget, Matt Damon! Matt Damon! 
So the team then gets split up into two. And Sarah and Joe, they end up getting caught by Danny Glover and Sean Penn. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know why Danny Glover is involved in them, because I actually like Danny Glover. I think he's a very good actor. Um, so they have to fight Panthers. And when I mean by Panthers, I mean black cats. This is so funny. That was good. That was good. Yeah. So then Gary and Chris, they see Susan Sarandon. And at first, Chris wants to help Susan Sarandon. But Gary's like, no, she's acting. She wants you to help them or help her. But she's fooling you. So Gary figures it out. And Susan Sarandon was, in fact, trying to fool them. And she gets shot into a million little pieces, and she dies. Oh, no, she can't make any movies. Meh. And then we find out why Chris hates actors. (laughs) I love this. Because when he was a teenager, Mm -hmm. he went to see the musical Cats. And after the show, he got to go backstage, and he got to meet some of the cast. Well, the cast started to hump his leg, and then basically violated him. Aww. Yeah. So that's why, that's why Chris has a deep hatred for actors. Meanwhile... Joe and Sarah, they are stuck with the Panthers. And Sarah's like, I can use my psychic powers. And Joe's like, that's not real. You don't really have psychic powers. So she uses her powers. Talks to the cats. The cats go back. And they kill Danny Glover and Sean Penn. Oh, no, they can't make any more movies. I know. So now... The team meets up, and they're about to go to the box where Kim Jong-il is there when Tim Robbins stops them because he made a vow that none of them would make it to the stage. So this is where Samuel L. Jackson and Helen Hunt and Matt Damon all come in. And they have this fight. It's a good fight scene. And at one point, Tim Robbins pours gasoline on Gary, trying to burn him to death. And and now it's to the point where Tim Robbins is all on his own. And Gary's like, or Chris is like, there's just one problem. I smoke. So he throws his cigarette onto the gasoline and burns Tim Robbins to death. Aww. No, he can't make any movies anymore. What's the last relevant movie Tim Robbins has made? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't made a relevant movie in like 25 years. No. So now, Alec Baldwin starts to make his speech. And Team America gets, you know, they get to the stage. And Gary's a little, you know, he's a little cautious because Alec Baldwin is his hero. And he's like, no one can outact Alec Baldwin. <clears throat> so during this time, 
you know, the timer is going for the weapons of mass destruction to explode. And Gary goes out and he puts on the performance of a lifetime. And he convinces all the world's leaders that what's happening is Kim Jong-il's doing. And that what Team America does is try to help the world. And yeah, you know, there are three types of people in this world. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. So we go through that speech again. It is a good speech. So the, the leaders of the world, they're finally convinced, and they applaud Gary. And they get a standing ovation. And this upsets Kim Jong-il. So Kim Jong-il gets a gun, and he shoots Alec Baldwin to death. Oh, no, he can't make... Oh, wait. Yeah, I know. So then, the timer's... It's getting close to the end. And Lisa, even though she's tied up in a chair, she kicks Kim Jong-il out of his special box through a glass, and he is impaled through the, uh, it's called a pickle hob, which is the hat that the German leader is wearing. Uh, those were worn, I think, in like World War One. So, Kim Jong-il is dead. And Aww. Gary, Kim Jong-il can't make any movies, bro. <laughs> so, Gary goes up to save Lisa, and then... She's telling him, you gotta stop the bomb, it's gonna explode. And he's like, well, how do I do that? Hit the big cancel button. And it's all in Korean, and he pushes the button, and it stops with one-tenth of a second left. <sighs> so then, she finds out that Spotswood is still alive, and everything is alright. Except we still hear Kim Jong-il's voice. Because, as we find out, Kim Jong-il wasn't really Kim Jong-il. Oh. Kim Jong-il was actually this big cockroach. <laughs> and he... And when you say big, it's not that big. Well, I mean, it's not the biggest cockroach ever, but I mean, it's... No. You know. It's a, it's a medium-sized yeah. cockroach. So... The cockroach gets on a ship and flies away. And now everything is great. The world is fine. And the team is together again. And that is Team America World Police. <sighs> I got I to say, Fro, this was a very enjoyable movie. It is a really enjoyable movie. Um... Well, why don't well, why don't we give our thoughts on it, and then we'll get into um, where we would put this in the movies of of Stone and Parker. Yeah, like I said, I I think this is uh, humorous from the start. Uh, there are some jokes that doesn't land. I mean, it's they are not. It's not the perfect funny movie uh, by all means, right? 
But I had more fun with this uh, than I remembered. And that's in a good way. I think it's a classic movie. I don't think it holds up that good. And I think that's one of my main problems with it. It's like the the theme of the movie doesn't really hold up because... I think the world police thing about America has more or less gone by now. Mm-hmm. I think that was more around like Bush times. Uh, so uh, in that way, it feels a little dated. Uh, but other than that, it is a really funny movie with some really good musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And I love how it takes... It takes absolutely no prisoners. Yeah. Oh, it goes for everybody. Right. Uh, I I liked I, I liked the plot of the movie, and that's one of the things where Trey Parker and Matt Stone they do a really good job. They don't mm-hmm. make the plot of their movie, you know, like too complicated they don't make it hard to follow it's easy to understand and in this case it's good guys versus bad guys right is what the is what the focus of the movie is and i think the fact that at this time they're using the biggest names in hollywood to be parodied and some of them are still parodied or, or some of them are still big stars, I should say. Um, I thought they did a good job. I thought they picked the right people to go after. As far as the celebrities are concerned, I thought Kim Jong-il was the right villain for this. I I think it's a good movie. Um, I don't think it's their best movie, but I do think it's a really good movie. Um... So, out of ten, what would you give this movie? Oh, an eight. That's about the same I'd give it. I'd I'd give this an eight as well. Definitely an eight. Now, all right, let me ask you this, because we've done we've done all five now. Where does this movie rank for you? Uh, second. Only, only uh, behind the South Park movie. Yes. This is actually really hard for me. Because South Park is my number one. Right. But I really liked Cannibal, the musical. I enjoyed that movie tremendously. No, it's not as good as that. Well, I'd... You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's tied for second for me. Okay. With Cannibal. Then I'd have Basketball fourth, and then Orgasmo would be at the bottom. Right. I totally agree with that. Okay. Um, let's get into some notes for this movie. Uh, the, the Marinettes, which we mentioned about 20 minutes ago in this review, um... They were an inf- or they were used as reference based from the hit TV show of the 1960s Thunderbirds, which aired in England. Right, right. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, however, 
were not fans of that show. No, they did not like that show at whatsoever. Yeah. The filmmakers fought with the Motion Picture Association of America, which returned the film over nine times with an NC-17 rating. Right. Which, here in America, for for everyone who doesn't understand what NC-17 means, it basically means you're going to get very limited release in theaters. Right. Very limited. Very limited. So the film was recut by a few seconds and rated R for graphic, crude, and sexual humor, violent images, and strong language, all involving puppets. Uh, George Clooney and Matt Damon are friends of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and Clooney has stated that he would have been insulted had he not been included in the film. Yeah. Uh, Matt Damon, as we've made fun of many times, is portrayed as a simpleton who can only say his name. When asked about the film in 2016, Matt stated that he was confused by the portrayal, given that he was already known as both a screenwriter and an actor. He said, quote, I was always bewildered by that, and I never talked to Trey and Matt about that. And incidentally, I believe those two are geniuses, and I don't use that word lightly. I think they are absolute geniuses, and what they've done is awesome, and I'm a big fan of theirs. But I never quite understood that one. Trey Parker and Matt Stone stated that they were inspired to give the Damon character that personality only after seeing the puppet that was made for him, which looked kind of mentally deficient. (laughs) And then there's the part about Michael Moore, where uh, uh, Matt Stone explained the reason for the portrayal of of Michael Moore in an MSNBC interview. We have a specific beef with Michael Moore. I did an interview, and he didn't mischaracterize me or anything I said in Bowling for Columbine. But what he did do was put this cartoon, which was titled A Brief History of the United States of America, written by Moore, animated and directed by Harold Moss, right after me that made it look like we did that cartoon. Now, there is a deleted scene in this movie of two other members of the Film Actors Guild. Can you guess who the other two are, Fro? I have no clue. All right. One of them was Meryl Streep. Okay. And the other one was Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck was a hand puppet for this movie. Mm. When Team America opened, it earned $12 million at the box office, finishing third that week behind Shark Tale and Friday Night Lights. It would go on to win only one award, the Empire Award, which is a British award, and it was named Best Comedy that year. They had also gotten another award Nominations from the Golden Schmoes. I have never heard of that before, but that is a real award, apparently. The Golden Trailer, the IFMCA, the Golden Reel, the MTV Movie Award, the OFCS Award, the People's Choice Award, 
the Golden Satellite Award, and the Teen Choice Award. Uh, well, let's dive into what some of the ratings are. Metacritic, uh, they have this at 64 out of 100. Mm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, as soon as it pops up for me, is 77% and is certified fresh by Rotten Tomato. And IMDb, over 147,000 people have rated this movie. Wow. The average rating is a 7.2 out of 10. Now, normally I would go into the, you know, demographics and that, but I'm not going to do that because this has been, this is a movie and, you know, we've done a lot. So what I'm going to do is, Fro, because, you know, we do these reviews, I'm going to find, or I'm going to read two positive reviews from IMDb and two negative reviews from IMDb users. Okay. So our first one, and, and, and remember, folks, these are reviews that are over 10 years old, so these aren't recent. The first one I'm going to read is from a Ryan Miller. Ryan wrote, The one thing I noticed while attempting to breathe during this movie was that people were walking out in between bursts of hysterical laughter. <laughs> Unfortunately, this movie is not for everyone. I wish it didn't offend some, but it does. So, if you want to know whether you will enjoy this film or not, you must answer yes to the following. Are you ready, Fro? Okay. Number one. I am not offended by the F word being repeated 300 times. <laughs> no. Number two. I am not offended by intense marionette sex. No. Number three, I am not offended by racial satire. No. Number four, I am not offended by ridiculous political satire. No. And number five, I am not a member of the Film Actors Guild. <laughs> no. If you're like me and have answered yes to the above five questions... Well, you should say no. Oh. Yes. Oh. Right. Yeah. Go see this movie. You will laugh so hard it will hurt, and you will giggle about it for the next week thereafter. I have to say that I am very desensitized when it comes to these kind of films, and I'd say that Team America has raised the bar in derogatory humor, but that only made it more hilarious. I gave it five stars, two thumbs up, ten out of ten. It was flawless. But, on the other hand, if you're not like me, you might find yourself walking out by the third time you hear the sing the song America. That's your cue, bro. Okay. There we go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let me find one other positive review. Okay, this is from CTS One. CTS One wrote, "Fans of Parker and Stone's prior efforts will both love this and know what to expect from this." Politically, no group is left unsaturized. From the idiotic faux-country patriotic music to know-it-all lefty actors being portrayed as goon puppets 
The most self-important members of the Tim Robbins and Sean Penn fan clubs may want to skip this. No group escapes without being ridiculed. Of course, what one would expect besides savage social commentary is gross-out humor, and that is present in droves. This has the best puppet vomiting scene since Meet the Feebles. Oh, yes. I think you've uh, recommended that movie to another show a while back. Yes. In addition, there is puppet uh, marital relations, in quotes, puppets being blown up, puppets being fed to cats, puppets being fed to sharks. All the puppets are done in the style of Thunderbirds, the old TV show, not the dismal failure of a live-action movie. Did you ever see that? The show or the movie? This movie? No. I didn't even know that actually happened. Oh my god, that's an atrociously bad movie. And the songs are hilarious true. Or hilariously, yeah, are hilarious too. Pearl Harbor... Well, they are, they are hilariously true as well. Pearl Harbor Sucks and I Miss You is one of the funniest <laughs> songs you will ever hear. Yeah. It is true. Pearl Harbor Sucks, but not as much as I love you. Alright. So now we have, now that I read two positive reviews, I'm going to read two negative reviews. Okay. This first one, <laughs> I like this person's name, is from Super Giant Bug Killer. Mm. Good name. Super Giant Bug Killer wrote, Team America is inherently funny for about a half an hour. The puppets are awkward and funny. It's fast-paced, quirky, colorful, and you hear the Team America theme, the movie's biggest laugh, for the first time. But it wears thin quickly. Eventually, Team America becomes a rehash of themes and even direct, and even direct items stolen from Parker and Stone's own show, South Park. Whether it's the Kim Jong-il crossbreed of Cartman and the City Walk guy, the, mm. the montage song, the mock of country music exploiting 9-11, the Dick's Pussies paraphrase from the end of South Park's I'm a Little Bit Country, it's rehash. There are many things Parker and Stone could have done to make this movie better. For one, hire actual voice actors and differentiating this much, much more from South Park. Think of their TV show, that's my bush. The show wasn't so great, but imagine if all the actors had been voiced by Parker and Stone instead. It was the sitcom setup with real actors and new voices that made it better than it might have been otherwise. Second, make the political satire way more sharp. Parker and Stone don't know much about politics. The actor cares. The actor characters aren't given any individual personality to make the barbs poked at them funny at all. E.g., the only joke about Michael Moore is that he's fat. Come on, there's way more to go with. The whole actor satire is a complete failure. And since it wasn't funny, it gave time gave me time to think about or uh, it gave me time to think past the movie into what hypocrites Parker and Stone are for saying what they're saying about Hollywood. As much as Hollywood actors can annoy me as well, face it, 
Parker and Stone weighed into politics just as much, if not more, than many other actors. I've, mm-hmm. I've never even heard Ethan Hawke or Sam Jackson, two targets in the movie, get political. Actually, she's okay. This person's got a point about Sam Jackson. Well, not really, because it's not really targeting anybody. Right. But Parker and Stone put their views into their work, and in their interviews as well, all the freaking time. Many newspaper articles have been written about their views. As much as Parker and Stone hate Hollywood, they are celebrities and are as guilty as the targets they hit in the movie. Maybe they should have inserted themselves somewhere in there as a cameo. I'd have made them a Beavis Butthead type figures, laughing at everyone from the sidelines, eventually getting killed by Team America or the actors, or both. The movie is all is also way too long and repetitive. A few of the best jokes in the movie get worn way into the ground. There's a marionette fight scene at the beginning of the film where it doesn't look right. It's a funny scene, but it's a metaphor for the entire movie. The puppets eventually become boring, they don't have much character to them, and Parker and Stone haven't put much life into their personalities themselves. Yep. It gets... It's no characters in puppets. What? It really played? Oh my god. It gets really boring. And since, as an action movie satire, it's so close, without the humor or character, it's just as boring as any Michael Bay movie they parody. And that's the biggest crime. For this, despite a great first half hour, I can't recommend this movie. A little harsh, I think. Oh. Right? Isn't he? Hello. Right. Got one more. It is from Adam Blake 77 the first 15 minutes of this film were actually very funny, but after about an hour, I realized that this film is actually a subtle piece of propaganda for the very thing it ostensibly satirizes, American fascism. In a world where nothing at all has any value or any meaning beyond its most obvious use as a source for of puerile humor, then absolutely everything is available to be mocked and disrespected. And it is. If something is offensive, then I think it is okay to be offended by it and not have to be ashamed or embarrassed about it. This film is offensive in every way possible to every group of people possible. Apart from anything else, it is offensive because it is such a lousy movie. Massively overlong, appallingly badly scripted. Lazy, complacent, endless use of the most obvious obscenities and sexual and toilet humor. The voice characterizations are grating and one-dimensional. I could go on, but why bother? Rarely have I felt so insulted by a film. This is the very worst of modern American entertainment, and its effect is deadening, stultifying, and infinitely worse than the most tired and cliched action film in that it believes in nothing but its own cleverness and superiority. In cajoling its viewers to find humor in violent death, torture, homosexual rape, cultural vandalism, and genocidal despotism, 
This film is an open invitation to revel in apathy, moral de uh, decan yeah. moral decadence, decadence, cultural and spiritual bankruptcy, and in that it could not serve the interests of Emperor Bush and his henchmen better if it tried. I hated it. Wow. Yeah. Phew. All right. Um, no, I just want to go back real quick to the whole, the, the film actors guild and because Fro, I was watching this movie mm. and I was thinking to myself how even today, you know, some of these actors are, they're, they're trying to be what you know, the, the people that are portrayed in this movie actually are, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they're trying to be like, oh, we should do this, 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 and this, you know, if, you know, we're going to make the world better. It's like the actors want to take over the world, you know? But, in my honest opinion, unless you're going to do something about it, I feel just shut up. I don't care mm. about your thoughts. I don't care about your opinions. Unless you mm -hmm. actually do it. Unless you do something about it. That's why I think... That's why I think Alec Baldwin has this huge ego. Because, really, if, if you think about Alec Baldwin... And I've never met the guy. But I'm just saying. For, like, the first however many years he was in movies... He seems like a really cool, decent guy. Mm. But I think somewhere along the way, he developed a huge ego. And because of that huge ego, there are many people who do not like him. And Yeah. I, I know a lot of people don't like him. Yeah. Here's my argument, though. And I, I, I'm, I'm taking himself to, uh, not to think about that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I, like, remember the joke in the South Park movie where they blow up the Baldwin house and one of them's like, you know what's wrong about being a Baldwin? Nothing! Nothing! I think maybe that's how he feels a little bit because he is a Baldwin. But I, I think some... Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. Mm. I'm not going to take that away from him. I liked him in the, in the Departed. I liked him in Beetlejuice. I liked him in Ghosts of Mississippi. I just think, as a person, he has this holier-than-thou mentality. That's just where I'm coming from. Uh, I liked him as Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not bad. You know, <laughs> I, I I, mean, I just, it's like to me, and this is sort of like towards SNL in general. It's not directed towards him. But to SNL, it's like, okay, I get it. You don't like Donald Trump. You don't have to do right. your first segment every single week about the guy that that's all right not saying right. i mean i'm not saying i'm the biggest donald trump supporter do i think no, he's, no. do i think he's done some good stuff 
yeah, there's been some good things he's done, but I think, and this is my honest opinion, I think it's Donald Trump's ego that is glad. That's what we're seeing is his ego. Right. That's all. All right. Well, Fro, this is sort of uh, a sad day because this is the end of an era. <laughs> you know, I no mean, more movies. No more movies. We're we're done with movies. However, however, this is sort of a good time because I do have a bit of an announcement to make. And I think you Ooh. guys are going to like this announcement. The show's still going to continue doing the in-between breaks of the season finale and the season premiere. So what's going to replace this is going to be a new special which I am calling Welcome to South Park, where I will discuss... Oh, that's probably Alec Baldwin right now about to chew me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, what I'm going to do is one person, one person from our Facebook group is going to join the show, and we're just going to have a talk. And we're going to learn more about the person. We're going to learn how they got into South Park, what they like about it, all that. So really, the 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 the, the look is now going to change from focusing on the work of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, which rightfully it should have. You know, rightfully we should be focusing on their work, to the fans, you guys. Cool. And I think it's going to be great. Fro, you are definitely more invited to be a guest. Thank you. Um, I know once you guys hear this announcement, and I'll go into more detail in our Facebook group, um, we'll have some people that are going to want to do it. I know it because it's a very good group. Um, Fro, are you – I'm curious. Are you back on social media? No. No, you have done, you're done with social media for now. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to plug another yeah. digital citizen? Yeah. Listen Just, to it. Yeah. It's good. I I actually was on a, one of their more recent episodes, so you guys might want to check yes. that out. So. A three-year anniversary. Jesus. In, in, in a way that, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard anything done like it, the way you guys have. It's absolutely no. amazing. <laughs> I'm happy that we're not doing it every week. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. That'd be crazy. Oh, be gosh. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at SharksPond97. You can join our Facebook group, Sharks Pond South Park Podcast. And if for any reason you can't find it, click on the link in the description box. And you guys are right there. And... Check out my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Bill's World Podcasts. Now, Fro is still going to join me when we discuss the new episodes of uh, this 22nd season. I think by the time this airs, the third episode will have been done. So we'll be, you guys will probably have heard the third episode of this season and what we thought of it. So that's still going to be a thing. I'm going to see in the future and say it was a good episode. <laughs> I hope so, bro. I hope so. Um, and next week, season eight of South Park begins. And, 
Yes, as I will be reviewing the episode Good Times with Weapons. Which is a very... I think that's another popular episode. They, they have so many popular episodes. You know? They really do. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to the special review of Team America World Police. For Fro, I'm Bill. I'll talk to you all next week. Team America! Fuck yeah!